Let's take a moment to pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you are our rock. You are our redeemer. Amen. So we just missed it by a few days, and you're going to have to wait till next year until you can finally celebrate Frozen Dead Guy Days. Oh, you don't know what Frozen Dead Guy Days is? Well, let me introduce you to one of the most popular festivals in central Colorado, Frozen Dead Guy Days. Yep, you're going to have everything at this festival from polar plunge to coffin carrying races to ice turkey bowling, to frozen salmon toss, to live music, to themed food to go along with it all. And next year, if you remember, next year you can join in with the 20,000 plus people that show up for this party. So how did Frozen Dead Guy Days become a thing? Well, there was a guy whose name is Bredo Morstel. And you see, Bredo Morstel died from a heart attack while he was cross-country skiing in Norway. So his grandson put the body on dry ice. He brought him to the United States, to Colorado, to Nederland, Colorado specifically. And then for four years, they stored his body in liquid nitrogen. And since then, all the way till today, he's been on dry ice. Now, while this festival and this big party are pretty lighthearted and fun, the reality behind all of it, though, is this idea that if you could keep somebody frozen long enough right after they died and then kept them frozen long enough, then maybe the technology would advance and get better so that eventually they could be brought back to life. This family supposedly spends thousands of dollars a year preserving Bredo for this day whenever science and medicine advance past death and Bredo comes back to life to be with us. That's one way of approaching this issue, this problem of death and trying to deal with it. And that's one way of looking at it. I think Mary and Martha had a very different perspective, though, when we pick their story up for today. When we get into this, their brother Lazarus had been dead for four days already. That means that many people, friends and family members, had gone out to be with them because for them in their culture, after death meant days of weeping and crying and mourning and just sitting in sadness. You supported somebody by going and just being there. Your presence there was the comfort that they were going to get. But the truth is, they lost the brother that they loved. And now it was time to learn to live and to move on after that. And then Jesus shows up. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. See, Martha knew who Jesus was. He was a close family friend. You can remember back to when he was teaching them personally inside their home, and she knew that he was the one that could back up his words with 
powerful miracles that would give people what they needed most. And she knew that if Jesus, if he had only come a little bit earlier, Lazarus would still be alive. But now four days after Lazarus was gone, that had her mind thinking about not the present, but just a much later future. Because Martha knew from experience that death is something that is permanent. You can't change it. It's, like a, it's not like a disease or a sensory issue. She looked forward to this better future because Jesus. And she told Jesus, he's the reason why. She said, I know one day he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Because she knew here and now, what could anyone do to change life and death? This last week was a pretty big week for us in the Sock Camp household because we got our first two pets. We've never had pets before. Here are the first two pets that we got to have. We now have two beautiful blue betta fish pets. Now they're resting in containers on top of our sink. Really, these are just a gift from my parents because they have a betta fish. So whenever we video chat with my parents, the girls want to see the fish, so then they get to see the fish. So my parents had the idea that, well, the girls could have some fish of their own. So they sent the tanks with my sister. They sent some money to buy the fish. And now we've got these fish from Fish Cave over on Henderson. We've got two pets that we get to take care of. And there are some life lessons that I think are going to come along with these two new pets. Life lessons like you have to feed them. Not too much food, because that's not going to end up good. Also, not too little food either, because if you don't feed them for a couple days, that's not going to end right. Fish need clean water, a clean tank. Fish need the right temperature of water. You can't put their tanks in the direct sunlight either. There's going to be a whole lot of stuff that we can control and do for these fish, and there are going to be a lot of life lessons, I think, that we learn about what happens when you take care of something and you do the kind of things that you're supposed to do and maybe what happens if you don't do that and the reality that comes. Just like we've got this power to kind of control our fish and control what happens to our fish, thinking that you can be in control, that you are in control is just something that comes naturally for us, right? So many areas of life seem to follow this kind of pattern. You drive safely, and you don't get into any accidents. You study well, so you get the good grade that you want to get. You meet all your work goals, you get promoted. Naturally, you and I just assume that you've got some ability to control how things are going how life goes. But then it hits. Then death, or at least the threat of death, becomes part of your life, and you have a different reaction. Instead of thinking you can control, it's really just fear. Fear takes over, over what might happen. Faith in God who can control that that kind of gets left behind. 
you do more than just questioning God for allowing it. You blame God. If you start down the path of rejecting his love, thinking that he doesn't love you, and you can slowly start to drift away from him. Maybe when that comes into your life, you try to have control by turning to something else that might numb the pain. And you justify it by convincing yourself that maybe this is the only way that it's going to make you feel any better. Maybe you lose yourself in grief and pain because you've been forced to learn that you aren't in control like you thought. I think Martha and Mary fully understood at this point that they were not in control anymore. They were left just with tears and a dead brother sitting in a tomb. The only hope that they had was that one day they might get to see their brother again in heaven because when death messed with their lives, they had to learn this hard truth that they, you and I, people, we are not in control over the one thing that we need to be in control of the most, life and death. Here's the really awesome thing. It's different for Jesus. Even before Jesus does anything, you can hear the power in his words, in his interaction with Martha. He tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Yeah, he talks like he is in control, like death does not mean a thing to him, and that anybody connected to him can look to him for stability and a solid ground, even in the worst times when this becomes part of life. And it was later, at the gravesite of his friend Lazarus, that Jesus turned words into more, into action. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been in there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took the stone away. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. Because Jesus has power over this. You see, whenever God allows death or the threat of death or the awfulness of death into your life, he wants you to think about how much Jesus can do. You go back to this, where his voice raises the dead. He calls out and life comes rushing back into a body. He is the resurrection and the life so that those who die in him will be raised and their bodies will be raised perfect one day not broken down anymore. Whether it's death or whatever awful and tough thing and challenging thing you're going through right now, 
God is trying to use it to bring you closer to him, to point you to your Savior, who is going to give you the most important need that you can ever have, that in Jesus, you have an answer to this problem. In Jesus, you've got someone who's in absolute control. Now, when the fear of death, when that doesn't dominate somebody, you can do some pretty amazing things. This is definitely not encouraging you to go out and try this at all. He's an expert who's trained a long time. But maybe you've heard of this guy, Alex Honnold. He did the most amazing climb in modern history that anybody knows about. What he did is he scaled this 3,000-foot surface of granite rock called El Cap. It's in Yosemite Valley in California. He scaled the entire almost straight-up rock wall without any gear, without any ropes, without any harnesses, and he climbed up the side of it. If you want to check out the movie Free Solo, you're going to hear what he's thinking and he's feeling during all of it. But I think the most insightful thing that he actually reveals is that, of course, he was afraid of what might happen if he falls and the reality of what that would mean. But he's trained himself to stop that fear from controlling his body, to not let that fear dominate what's going on in his senses and you can see that once that fear is gone, he felt like he could do something that people would think was amazing. Kind of felt like he was free. Now, God doesn't tell us the details about what happens with Lazarus and Lazarus' life after this. But you got to wonder what life was like, right? What happens after experiencing death and then knowing that God is the power over death to bring you back to life again because you are alive again. The powerful fear of death, I'm guessing it didn't mean much for Lazarus anymore because he knew where God would take him. He knew what God could do. Lazarus would have been set free from fear and anxiety over everything that death and that awful thing can bring with trust in his Savior and his friend, his God, he could live free. When death, or the threat of death, finds its awful way into your life, it doesn't have to control you. No, you can live in Jesus. You can be free from paralyzing fear and anxiety over what ifs. You have a God who is able to give you something that nothing else can give. You have certain hope because he went through death for you. He died to bring you forgiveness and he lives with absolute power over all of it. And that makes all the difference. Just like all the other ways that Jesus, that God gives you everything you need, that makes a difference in how you approach life. He helps you see how much you desperately need him. He stands in your place and he crushes your enemy as your champion. He gives you a gift that you can't ever earn. He refreshes your soul with life-giving waters. He opens your eyes 
He promises to bring you back to life. He is the one who can do it all. And he promises to do it for you. Yeah. We have great needs. Big needs in this world, in this life. And Jesus is God's answer for us. Amen.